Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. Christopher Nolan is far and away uh, my favorite filmmaker. Um, he has done movies like Inception um, and the, the Batman trilogy, you know, the good, the, the real Batman trilogy. Um, but, but far, the, the movie that I was thinking about this week was uh, his movie called Interstellar. And Interstellar is this sort of space opera. It's this story of, of mankind and the planet has sort of become a dust bowl and crops are hard to come by. And it begins with this brilliant uh, ex-astronaut farmer uh, played by Matthew McConaughey. And he lives at home with his dad and his two equally brilliant kids. And, and they are living in this dust bowl of a world. And then something very strange happens. What happens to them is they receive some sort of communication. The, the dust off of their bookshelves spells out in binary uh, the place where NASA is now secretly located and then also a coordinate out in the stars. And so Matthew McConaughey is, is struck by this. He goes to NASA and they find out that, that in this coordinates that he's been given by the dust, the binary code on his bookshelves is the coordinates to this, this place in space that's going to be able to save where humanity is going to be able to go to be rescued from all that they're going through. And Matthew McConaughey keeps asking this question at the beginning of this movie. He keeps asking this question, who do we have to be thankful for? Somebody has led us to this moment. What do we have? Who should we be saying thank you to? Who is pulling the strings? And so the the movie goes on and it's quite long and and at times uh, almost arduous in its intensity to watch. But at the end of the movie, after a few hours, we get our answer to Matthew McConaughey's question. Because the person who gave him the coordinates that, that spelled everything out for him was Matthew McConaughey. Future Matthew McConaughey told past Matthew McConaughey about this. It's, it's complicated not going to get into it, but that's what happens in the story. And what's, what's really fascinating, why this movie has struck me, is because of the way that it poses the question, who should we be thankful for, for all of this? And then it answers that quite directly. Us, humankind, our ingenuity, our creativity, our way to make it through. In many ways, uh, Interstellar is is the Handel's Messiah of modern individualistic humanism. It is a worship movie about ourselves. And you even see this when when the guy who, who did the score, did the soundtrack to the movie, he used intentionally the organ because he wanted to promote a sense that something holy was happening in this space movie. So this morning, what I want to talk about is gratefulness. I want to talk about thankfulness. But but let's be honest. To take a moment while we are all quarantined, while we have a thousand worries 
rushing through our head, where we are at home, not quite knowing oftentimes what to do with ourselves. Maybe that's too autobiographical as an extrovert who feels pinned up. Maybe that's just me. But I think that all of us feel some angst, feel some anxiety in times like this. And it doesn't feel like the right time to talk about gratefulness, does it? Thankfulness is the farthest thing from our mind. In the middle of a pandemic, how are we supposed to be thankful? When, when if we don't want to see bad news, we have to watch no news. And yet, here I come saying we need to think and talk about gratefulness. This is something that was true, not just of our church, but has been true at the church in different parts of the world in different times throughout the ages. And this was true at one of the churches that we find in the Bible. Uh, Paul uh, planted a church in the the town of Thessaloniki, um, and he wrote two letters to that church. The books are called the first and second book of Thessalonians. And as he wrote to those, they were a church that was founded in conflict. You see, immediately, uh, the church in Thessaloniki was persecuted. Immediately, People responded by persecuting that church. And so Paul writes this letter of 1 Thessalonians not too long after that church has been planted. So the church is young. Most of the people in the church are new believers, and yet they are believers who immediately upon converting to Christianity are being persecuted. And so in a way, we can can find ourselves in that. Yes, we're not being persecuted right now, but we are certainly going through an incredibly difficult time. However, that difficult time is shaping your life and mine. And yet Paul begins this letter by talking about thankfulness. So here's what I want to do. I want to read the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians. And I want you to see what Paul has to say to that church and what God has to say to us this morning. So let me read 1 Thessalonians 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God for always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. City Church, this is the word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago and intended for us wherever we find ourselves in the church scattered this morning. Amen. 
So Paul writes to these Thessalonians. He writes, even though they're in the middle of, of so many things, even though they're in the middle of being persecuted, even though their faith is hard in a time like this, he writes to them about thankfulness and gratefulness. And how we should see ourselves in this moment is this. Our lack of thankfulness grows directly out of our self-dependence. The reason why we are not grateful is because we are so self-dependent. So Paul starts the letter with the sort of typical greetings, the sort of typical thing that Paul begins the letter with. And then he jumps immediately in to talking about how he gives thanks. In fact, this, this idea of giving thanks controls and it is the main idea of everything through chapter one and actually everything past chapter one. Everything that comes after Paul giving thanks is Paul giving thanks because. I give thanks because of God doing this in you, because of God doing this, because of what has happened. Everything in this chapter is a because of his giving thanks. In fact, uh, one theologian, Beverly uh, Gaventa, said that there is so much thankfulness in this chapter that interpreters almost don't know what to do with it. So Paul writes to a church, a young church, a church struggling with its identity. How do we be the church in Thessaloniki as we are persecuted? And Paul says, thankfulness. And he's thankful, first of all, for what God has done in the hearts of this church. He's thankful for the things that God has done. God has caused them to work out their faith. God has taught them how to labor in love. God has taught them how to be steadfast in hope. If you've been around the church for a while, that, that may strike you as that sort of famous triad that Paul often mentions, faith, hope, and love. But he sort of changes the order of it. And he's thankful for their faith, he's thankful for their love, and he's thankful for how they are steadfast in hope. Now what's significant, what's meaningful about all of these things is that they're all things that God has done in the hearts of it's not the things that they have done, but rather what God has done in their hearts so that they can labor to love their neighbor in the midst of persecution. Then in the midst of trial, they can be steadfast in hope. And Paul strengthens this. Paul kind of adds this by mentioning that God has chosen them in love. Throughout this first section, what we see again and again is that Paul is grateful for what God has done. Now, I want to contrast that to the way that many of us, myself included, are approaching these moments. The way that many of us are going about our lives right now. Because what's happening in most of our lives, what's happening in my life and in yours, is that we think that we're the masters. We think that we're the ones in charge. We're going to make it through. And the reason why we're going to make it through is because we have a system. 
We are organized and we can make it work. And if, and if we just follow the system, everything's going to be okay. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you think that you'll just have enough wit to charm your way through all of this. And you can take care of it by the power of your wit. Or maybe it's not those things. Maybe for you it's, yes, times are hard, but you know what? I can hustle. If we just hustle our way through, if we just push through, everything is going to be okay. Or I'm smart enough to get through this. We're intelligent enough to make this work. Or I'm hardworking. I, here's one that we as Christians are especially guilty of. If I just do enough of the right things, if I keep God's law well enough in this time, then we'll make it through. See, the problem with all of these things, the problem with relying on our intelligence, or our wit, our hustle, or our rule-keeping, the problem with all of those is that every single one of them is self-dependent. Everything, every single one of them is a self-salvation project that we're embarking on. I am going to save myself. I'm going to save my family. I'm going to save those around me with my hard work. But this is not what God was doing in the Thessalonians. This is not what Paul was grateful Paul was not grateful that the Thessalonians were able to grit their teeth and bear it. Paul was not thankful that the Thessalonians hustled their way out of persecution. He was thankful for what God had done in their life. You see, ultimately, we're not in control. God is the one who is in control. He is the one who is choosing. And so our response to God being in control should be a response of being dependent on what he is doing. A response of being grateful. But instead, for most of us, we're quietly proud and quietly anxious. And our pride and our anxiety is directly related to the fact that we think that we're in charge. That we think that we're the ones who are at we should be thankful because God is the one at work. We should be grateful for what God is doing. Now, here's where my heart goes in a moment. As I thought about this this week, as I sat in my makeshift card table desk in my bedroom, as I wondered what fresh air tasted like, what other people were like, what it was like to see somebody not on a computer screen who wasn't related to me. I felt like this idea that we need to be grateful was probably a little bit trite. Like it was platitudes. Like, oh yeah, yeah. In the face of in the face of my friends struggling with work, yeah, we should just be grateful. Good message. In the face of all of these things, we should be thankful. I'm tempted to roll my eyes at that. I'm tempted to be hopeless. Church, our hopelessness, hopelessness is just pride stacked on top of pessimism. Think about that. We're hopeless because we can't make it work. 
And I think that I'm the one that needs to make it work. And so my hopelessness is directly tied to my God. But, but Paul is not just thankful for what God is doing in the hearts of the Thessalonians. He's thankful for how God's work in the hearts of the Thessalonians is changing their lives, is changing everything that they're doing. It's a church that was born in trouble, and yet they became the model for churches throughout the Mediterranean. And in fact, the word that he uses is, is a mold. It's, it's something like a, a cookie cutter. Now, I, I was reading this, and I was reminded that a few years ago, somebody bought my boys um, pancake molds that looked like different um, Star Wars starfighters. So there was an X-Wing and a TIE fighter and all of these sort of famous ships from the Star Wars universe. And I remember one night getting ready, getting the griddle out, and I'm going to make my boys some sweet X-Wing pancakes. It's harder than it looks. It's harder than it looks even with a mold. But this idea that they were the template for the faith of so many throughout. And why? Because they had turned from idols to worship the true and living God. What's interesting about Thessaloniki is that it was just down the road from Mount Olympus. That the people in Thessaloniki could look up from their city, and as they looked to the horizon to the south, they saw the home of all of the Greek gods. They saw the home of all of the idols of their culture. And in that, they turned away from their idols. Uh, Pastor Tom Wright says that turning away from the Greek God's system, for somebody who lived in this part of the world, would be akin to someone in our day swearing off all technology. It would be something like going to Lancaster, Pennsylvania to go live among the Amish. Whenever you ride around sort of Amish country, whether in Pennsylvania or somewhere else in the Midwest or New York, you always sort of see those people in horse and buggies. And all of us, I'm, I'm, I have taken a picture while driving my car with my cell phone of the Amish people, right? Like, this is crazy. I'm not going to believe this. That sort of, this is crazy, you're not going to believe this, is the sort of thing that the Thessalonians but they turned from the, the idols of Mount Olympus, the idols of their culture, to the true and living God. And so Paul is thankful that their faith is not only changing their hearts, but their faith is also changing their allegiances. It's changing their mindsets. It's changing their actions. Christians, for many of us, this is not where we're at. We're still chasing our idols. We're still chasing what they're promising. The reason why we're reaching out to our wit, to our organizational skills, to our hustle, is because those things are promising us that they're going to give us life. But they don't. They don't. They're, they're like drinking salt water when you're thirsty, or maybe maybe something that's more common for us these days is that as we live in our homes, 
and we're thirsty, we decide, ah, yes, another cup of coffee. That'll make me less thirsty. And what happens? You drink the cup of coffee, and you're more thirsty again. Ah, maybe, maybe this cup of coffee is going to fix that problem. And by the end, we've got the cold sweats because all we've drank all day is coffee. Our idols promise us that they're going to make things better, but they don't. They don't because they're not true. They're not living. They are, they're dead and they are false. And church, if we want to see God create gratefulness in us, create thankfulness in us, we need to turn to him. We need to turn to what he is doing in our hearts. Now maybe you're tuning in this morning and you're not a Christian. Here's the question I want you to consider this week. Where does thankfulness come from? Where does gratitude come from, and is it necessary? In a time like this, is being grateful a waste of time? I think it's not. But I think we all have to answer the question, what is our gratitude pointed at? Is it pointed at ourselves, like in the movie Interstellar, or is it pointed at God? Even for those of us who are Christians, more often than we care to admit, these moments turn us towards self-dependence, which is just pride. We strive to achieve in Christianity. We try to do enough of the right things. We try to work our way through our problems. But whether we are struggling with hopelessness, whether we are struggling with pride and its other forms, that I can do this. The problem is that we need to be rescued, that we can't keep up our self-salvation projects because they're always failing. They're never going to actually save us, which is why Paul ends this section of his thankfulness by reminding us that Jesus has saved us from the wrath that is to come. Because all pride, all self-salvation projects, all self-dependence is cosmic treason. Whether it is religious or irreligious self-dependence, whether it is whether it is optimistic pride or hopeless pride, all of it is cosmic treason and deserving of the wrath of God. But the good news, church, is that Jesus has nailed that to the cross. He has canceled the record of our debt. He has canceled the record of our sin. He has taken it on himself through his death on the cross. He has become humble for us. Today, I, even though it feels like we don't know what day of the week it is, much less what season of the year it is, it's Palm Sunday today. And even though the kids did not march around our church waving palm fronds, we are reminded from this text of the humility of Jesus, what he's done for us. Not because we deserve it, but as Paul says in verse 4, because he has chosen us in love. So he not only rescues us in the future, but he also changes our life now. 
Do you know how he changes us? You know what the mechanism that Jesus uses to change us in moments like this? It's when we give up our self-salvation projects. It's when we lean away from self-dependence. It's when we begin to be dependent on him. When we begin to become humble because of what he has done, because of how great his love for us is. When we become grateful for his faithfulness. What happens as we see that is it changes us. It changes us at the level of our hearts, but then it also changes us at the level of our allegiances and our actions. And just like the faith of the Thessalonians rang out, as we become more dependent on Jesus, our faith rings out in the quiet hopelessness of our streets. May God change my heart to one of dependence. May God make me and us a church that is grateful, even in a time where we can't see, where we have to trust, where we have to have faith, where we labor to love. May he make us steadfast in hope. Let's pray.